Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Hola, damas y caballeros, and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. Uh, this week's podcast is presented by our partners at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With bet with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for most any sport or, or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues, bet on all of your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to the website today, which is betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to join, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So make sure that you use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. I'm really excited about this episode. An old friend of the Canasada stopping by. He has a fight club. His name is Joe Kelly. I'm going to shut up so you can listen to him now. Joe Kelly and Rob Bradford. And welcome to another edition of the Bleed Lost Podcast. Uh, we have a special guest this week, a guy that we've talked to before, and uh, he's a friend of the Carnasada, and he's back, but he brought a friend too. Uh, and he's, he's adding one more thing to his resume, of, of aside from being a savage. Uh, author now, Joe Kelly, uh, with Rob Bradford. Uh, we're going to talk about a book that's coming out. It's called A Damn Near Perfect Game, Reclaiming America's Pastime. Uh, the one and only Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly, how are you? Lonzo, Juan. What's up, boys? Thanks for having oh, me back. Yeah. Rob. Rob, hey, Rob, thank you, thank hey, you, Joe. Good to see you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I see you. No, we're, we're we're stoked to chat with you guys because uh because it's we're, we're not only going to talk shop but also a book and that it's a great book. It comes out February twenty eighth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, go pick it up. I uh I, I I honestly I couldn't put it down. It's really easy to read, but I like how candid you were, Joe. So we'll just get into that right away. You, I like how this book starts. You get into the shit with Correa. And you give us kind of the insider view of of what happened with that. And and I kind of wanted to ask because there's a lot of guys that wouldn't want to, especially in baseball, because it's such a uh, it's such I don't even want to call it a, a fraternity at this point, but it's it's just so secretive. Right. Yeah. What kind of made you want to start the book with that? Well, I mean, there's a there's numerous ways to start start a book, obviously. Um, and for most fans that that know myself, you know, throughout my career or, you know, have seen me play or, or have heard me on podcasts or, or any kind of interview. Um, it's one of those things where I've never shied away from, you know, being just a real genuine person, you know, who, who's getting a question answered. Um, you know, going through the book with, with me and Brad Foe, um, you know, just just the things that was 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 wrote. I, I think that coming out just letting people know, you know, my personality, um, you know, obviously everyone knows the whole situation with me and Carlos, but to kind of be candid, more candid about it and, and, and put it straight out there because that's, you know, ultimately if people know or just recognize my name, I would say that's probably the biggest 
the biggest point uh, or the biggest part that's happened to me besides winning World Series uh, was, you know, obviously making a, a, a pouty face at, you know, Carlos Correa. So I think to, to go to open up a book and, and, and be hit with that right away, I think that's what's going to get any kind of reader hooked. Um, and, you know, that was obviously the, the, the best option for starting that book. And, and Rob, for, for Bradfield, for you, you, you know, you, you're, you're forwarding this, right? Did you have any input on that or was it just a matter of Joe said, hey, let's go? Well, I mean, I think that, that you always want to get the guy's personality. And, and as Joe said, this is his personality and, and he's genuine. And I've always said this so that I always gravitate to the guys who are genuine and Joe's at the top of that list. And I think that sort of as we got into the whole Correa thing with a pout, you know, what it did, and it really happens throughout the book, is that it, there's there's so many different ways of examples of how that moment, that baseball moment imitated life. As Joe said, you know, with he looked over at Correa and he saw the 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 whiny rich kid, right? I'm like, I'm a, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Joe, but, you know, it's you saw the, like the AEU kid, right? I mean, and this is what you would say on, on a sandlot. And and this is, as I did this with Joe, this was sort of the, the theme that you kept getting, which is there's so many things in baseball that imitates either other parts of life in baseball or just life in general. And and I think we can all relate to that. Like that's how we would want someone to react to somebody who is chirping back at us. That's why Joe's the best because – He's genuine, and it doesn't matter if there's 40,000 people. That's who he's going to be. No, and, and honestly, I think that's a great summation of this book. It, it's Joe being Joe. And I, I think, again, it comes back down to the candidness of, of Joe. And if we've learned anything, you know, getting to know him after the Correa thing or even stuff that's happened prior, uh, he's not afraid to be himself. And that's honestly one thing that I respect about Joe. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, Joe is travel ball also in your fight club? Because it's a two-parter uh, question here. But the reason I ask is you're, you're, you don't seem too stoked on travel ball as a whole. So I just wanted to hear from, from you yourself. It's a, it's a hard way to put it. Uh, I have a, a, a love-hate relationship with it, obviously. Um, you know, my, my, my children are, are obviously going to play, you know, sports growing up, uh, whether, whether it's, you know, travel baseball, they call it travel ball all the other sports. So, you know, soccer, uh, football, they, they call it club. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, travel ball club, club sports. Um, I, I think, I think they have positives and negatives, obviously. And, you know, for myself growing up, I was one of maybe two, three teams in the Orange County Riverside, um, you know, San Bernardino kind of area that had travel ball teams. We were kind of the first wave of, of actually putting, you know, travel ball on the map. So, you know, on my travel ball team, we were based, uh, there, there's a couple I played on, but one of the, one of the biggest ones I played on, um, was my local team. Um, and you know, the other team I played on was a team called the mama's boys. And, and, you know, when you're grabbing tr talent from all those areas and, and all those different, uh, cities, you know, guys on my team were, um, you know, I had, uh, um, Brandon Laird on my team. I, you know, I had, uh, you know, Chris Tillman on my team. I had, um, you know, uh, Parmley played on our team for a little bit. So it's like all these big league guys from different cities, you know, were actually on one trial ball team. And, and nowadays, um, anybody could almost play trial ball. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, 
it's not the not the the most talent I would say. It's kind of watered down, obviously, um, and it's more for these kids to continue playing baseball. But ultimately, the 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 thing about trouble is that kind of you know irritates me is is the price that comes with it. So these parents are paying thousands of dollars a month just to be on a, a team where um, honestly the coach doesn't care if they get any better. That you know they're kind of just collecting checks. So. If trial ball is done the right way, um, and you know when I was coaching and I talk about it in my book, uh, how to how to how to coach kids and, and how to you know kind of stay away from you know one kid specializing in one sport and, and getting too bored of it, and then you know ultimately coming out and, and, and hating that sport and, and not playing. And there's different examples throughout the book, whether it's myself, whether it's Boba Shet, um, you know, it just goes through where we're we're major baseball players, right? So we were obviously good at other things rather than just playing baseball growing up. Um, and, and we had a little bit more freedom as, as kids uh, than the kids that I see now nowadays where, you know, if they're not practicing, they're living in the caves, they're going to, uh, you know, a, a pitching coach on the side, you know, they're not learning from their actual coach and then they're doing little league, um, you know, and then they're driving hours and hours away uh, to tournament long in. Um, so it's just, it's one of those, one of those questions that, you know, like I said, that I have, Great memories of it. I have bad memories of it. Um, I want my kids to, you know, play sports. Um, you know, I'm not going to force them to keep playing one sport, you know, the rest of their lives. I'm going to let them make that decision. Uh, and if they want to, you know, play trial ball, they can play trial ball. If they don't want to play trial ball, they don't want to play trial ball. So, uh, like I said, it's it's a it's a love hate thing for me. And 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 you know, in, in a damn near perfect game, I you know I go through all those different scenarios and and kind of give advice of of what coaches could do, what parents can do you know, my experience, experience from other players. So uh, it, it's, it's got its positives for sure. Oh, no, it's loaded for sure. I mean, because I'm a couple years older than you, and I, you know, we missed that wave playing yeah. travel ball. And to a certain degree, I'm kind of glad that we did, because like you said, it, it forces some kids to just be a one-sport kid. Like they can't try some other stuff in some cases because of time, you know, the investment yeah. of time. But I wanted to ask you, because I know you go into it a little bit, th there's a stat that stood out to me in the book where you talk about, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the age range of 18 to 24 or 18 and under, where only 7% of them were watching the game. And that that was a staggering stat because we've talked about it a lot on the show. What can we do to, to grow the game? You know, we've talked about it from, you know, with folks like Dontrell Willis, uh, you know, Aegon, guys like that. And they all have a completely different perspective. And I, truthfully, I don't think there is a right or a wrong way at this point to make it grow that, you know, we just got to find something that sticks, right? And you talk about some stuff and you have some uh, some solutions there uh, or some suggestions, I should say, uh, as far as that goes. But but ultimately, what do you like? Uh, the thing I'm nervous about is we love the game of baseball, right? It's a very beautiful game. It's a very sacred game because obviously we're sitting here talking about it. But I'm afraid that that viewership is not going to increase because of some of the things you talked about, the pace of play, you know, that, that it's that instant gratification society now. Uh, so realistically, of all those things that you suggest without giving everything away, uh, what else can we do to kind of get the game to continue to grow so it, it stays, you know, relevant as it as it always has been? Yeah, I mean that's a that that's a question that has been asked numerous times. You know, not just by myself, but you know, I mean, it goes down to where, you know, I sit down in the book and speak with the commissioner, and 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 it goes back to last spring training where he started visiting players, you know, because he didn't like how the lockout went. He didn't like how it ended. He didn't like how the communication wasn't great between organizations and their actual players during the lockout. Um, he didn't like the, the negative feedback he was receiving from the MLBPA. Um, you know, but the, it came from a passion of, of, of taking away a, game, a kid's game from, you know, major league baseball players during a lockout. I mean, we were upset. We were angry. We were, you know, 
not happy about, you know, hey, I'm an injured player and there's a lockout going and I can't even talk to, you know, my PT or, you know, my athletic trainer. Like if we ramp back up, like not only am I hurt, you know, it's going to be a quick ramp up. I'm going to get even more hurt. You know, I'm coming off Tommy John. You guys wouldn't let me see, uh, you know, the team docs. You wouldn't let me communicate with them. Um, not even an email, not even a text message. Uh, so I think Manfred understood that. And so obviously he, he sat down with, you know, all 30 clubs and, and the representatives and, and, you know, so on, so on team, team leaders and captains. Um, but for me and myself, when I, when I talked to, to, to Manfred, you know, we just kind of picked each other's brains and, you know, kind of said some things that what, what the game of baseball honestly needs. Um, because if you look at it, there's the, the, the actual, you know, number of, of kids who are playing the game hasn't gone down. It's only gone up every single year. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's just viewership of actually watching Major League Baseball. And I wouldn't even say as to in-person viewing, the attendance is great. You know, um, last year we were 81 and 81. We didn't, we didn't play well. Um, we had obviously a ton of talent, but we didn't live up to our expectations. And there was nights where we should, we deserve zero fans because we sucked. Um, but, you know, we were still getting tons of fans at, at the ballpark. So, uh, the problem is just the, the views. Um, and there's different things, like you said, that, that people have their own ideas. Um, but, but the big, biggest one is obviously, um, you know, I play for the Dodgers is one network who, you know, broadcasts all the games instead. Um, and so I think kind of getting away from, you know, the whole local regional network cable, you know, broadcast and, and getting away from, you know, subscriptions of, of, of MLB, you know, TV where you can't even watch your game if you're, you know, unless you use a VPN, unless you hide your IP address, you can't even watch your home team play. Um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I'll say it, like my wife wants to watch the game and if she used my account um, that I didn't get from MLB, she wouldn't, she's blacked out also, or if I don't put a VPN on. Um, but if you get an account, you know, the team will give you an account and they'll give you an account where like bypasses that, that blackout. So like it can be done. Um, obviously it's a money thing. Um, but I think we're, we're, we're doing better uh, as we're progressing as a whole for major league baseball, you know, there's more games on YouTube. I know people hate it. There's more games on Apple. I know people hate it. Um, you know, Major League Baseball signing these deals left and right to kind of get away from these contracts. I mean, they're long contracts. So once the contracts run out, I think ultimately the game is going to, you know, skyrocket. Um, but they're kind of leaning away from that, like I said, with all these different kind of ways to watch, you know, the free game of the week. Um, but once we are able to kind of get rid of these, you know, TV contracts, which, you know, they're great. If you're an owner of the team, terrible. If you're a fan of baseball, terrible. If you want to watch the game, um, so I think ultimately that's probably the, the the biggest one for myself that I see um, as a player, as a fan. Um, but yeah, there's you could go through, you know, different ideas. Like you said, uh, the D train has his own idea. Um, guys in my book have their own ideas. Um, Bradfoe has his own ideas. So, uh, well, it's, it's so where, guys, you. Am I allowed to swear? First of all, is that yeah, absolutely? Okay, Fuck right. yes! All right, there you go. All right, uh, I assume so because I, I mean Joe is going to do it like nine times anyway. Whether he was <laughs> um, this is a safe space, you can say whatever you like. No, it's good. So I just Joe had mentioned that conversation with the the commissioner, which is you know the big, basically all, an entire chapter. His sit down with Manfred, and I say this about doing the book. One of the <laughs> So Joe, Joe, I told Joe this right out of the gate. 
he's a good interviewer. He's a good interviewer, right? And and I think one of the reasons is is because he's sitting down with Rob Manfred and they're just talking. They're talking about baseball like you just were. And after every second sentence, he's saying, "No shit, no shit." <laughs> like, 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 but that's like, say you know, and, and and but that's that's how you know that's how I I, I like to think that the book reads um, yeah. because that's how Joe talks. But that's. He, he's talking about the the conversations about baseball with Manfred and and as he said everybody has these ideas and it was to me it was fascinating man like it was it, the, some of the interviews that Joe did Rob Lowe I mean Rob Lowe is you know he gets just gets into it and and he's talking about and Rob Lowe is like a completely different world than Rob Manfred and yet he's just having this baseball conversation with Joe and and it was awesome. It was awesome. And it really made me think a whole, like along the lines of the questions you guys are asking, it, it made me think a lot more about baseball and where it's going and where it came from and how everyone has a story. Um, but in, in synopsis, Joe's a really good interviewer. So there you go, Joe, you're welcome. <laughs> well, and Brad, before I, before Bradford, excuse me, before I throw it over to Juan, cause the buzzword of Manfred came up. Uh, someone that is in Juanito's Fight Club. I know he's going to want to chat about that. Um, I wanted to ask you, because you, you have a completely different perspective than even the average fan, right? Because you interact with these guys day in, day out. You know, you're clearly friends with Joe. So as far as, as your perspective is on the growth of the game, what do you think would be a, a start even, even of that? Because in my opinion, the pace of play and that stuff, it's a good start. But I, I just don't think it's a needle mover. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense because I think it's, you know, I think when it comes to MLB, it has to, I think it's not time of game, it's urgency. There's yeah. there's a sense of urgency to it, like that, that people, things that have to seem like they matter. Um, and that's why we like those moments. But, you know, to go back to you know, what Joe was talking about with the travel ball stuff too, and he brought this up and I had never thought about this. And I've, Ever since he said it and, and wrote it, I've been thinking a lot about it because I coach youth sports. But it starts so early. The competitive stuff starts so early. Whereas, and, and Joe said this, is that you have, whereas before it was, you know, Johnny across the street's really good and he's 10 years old. Let's try to be as good as him. Now it's the five-year-old on YouTube, you know, that, that hey, we got to go in the backyard because this kid across the country is is doing this on youtube or instagram or snapchat or whatever it is and and that part of it i don't think it's it's super healthy because it's pushing parents um but yeah so i i just wanted to bring that up because he made me when he brought when you guys were talking about travel ball like that was that's a very real thing which i think that i don't know if we're going to escape it because of technology because this is just how it is but it's i thought it was a good point by joe uh, so, uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you, in, in your book, you focus about the campaigns, right? Getting younger kids involved in baseball. And we're talking about all this growth of the game. And you had mentioned also in your book Mookie's campaign. One of the things that I find interesting in terms of when we're talking about the growth of the game, it's always, it seems to me, about technology, right? How do we get kids to watch it and get more involved? And I feel like there may be what Major League Baseball should be doing is maybe having more of a conversation about diversity in the game. Because to me, and I hate this because everyone's going to say, here's Juan being political, here's Juan pushing his woke agenda. 
look, to me, diversity makes the game better. There's a young kid who finds out that Joe Kelly is a Mexicano and he's a Mexican kid. And all of a sudden he wants to find out Joe Kelly, uh, find out more about Joe Kelly. He gets inspired because Joe Kelly is a, he's like me. So I should be able to play baseball. Mookie wears a shirt at the All-Star game that more black people should play baseball or come out to baseball games. And it feels like it was a duck fart. Nobody talked about it afterwards. There was no conversation about it. Now, we have camps in the Dominican Republic. I mean, we have, we, the game is growing in Japan. We got the World Baseball Classic coming out pretty uh, coming up pretty soon i mean isn't diversity something that allowing the players to be themselves have their personalities like the joe when joe was on the show last time he told us i said hey you're a tough guy right joe and joe's like no i'm a i, I i'm a i don't give a shit kind of guy right and that's that to me makes it i want to watch that because i don't know like to me joe's being genuine I mean, what, what do you think, Joe? Is, is is that just too much to ask to be diverse? No, it's not too much. I, I mean, the point you make is actually, you know, in my book where um, not – I go through a part of it where it's it's obviously, you know, the major baseball players, you know, fault too, where we're not growing the game as, as we should. And I go through a point in, in one of the chapters where, you know, I think that – as players, you know, as myself, you know, I've, I've never had a problem with it. Um, but as, as a young player, and I know guys my age who, who came up in the league around the same time as me, um, we were kind of, I would say, not forced, but kind of saying like, hey, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do an interview. Um, you know, there was actual, you know, prospect camps on how, how to talk to the media. Um, so if they think you're going to be in the Billies that year, they would get all the best guys around the, you know, minor league baseball and send them to, uh, usually Washington, D.C., where they sit down and they go through, hey, um, you know, pretty much teaching them how to be as plain as possible, how to, you know, follow, pretty much stay on stay on par with everyone else's, you know, question. If someone asks you a hard question, you don't have to answer. Um, kind of, you know, if you're injured, kind of give them the vague answer of, you know, well, and, you know, I don't know about time frame, like, but, you know, it, it shouldn't be too long when, when really you just blew out your Tommy John, you're going to be gone for, you know, 12 to 14 months. Like, what do you mean you don't? You don't, you don't know when you're going to come back. Like, you know exactly what your injury is. Um, so I, I, I kind of go through that where it's like, A, you know, players need to be authentic because I play with these guys. I, I know what kind of personalities they are on the clubhouse. And then I see them give an interview. I'm like, what? Like, that's not you. You know what I mean? You see your friend. It's like, you know, your boys, like you're at a party. You guys are drinking, having a, going on the golf course or whatever, talking shit. And then you get in front of, you know, your wives and they start talking like, oh, yeah, it's been a great day. You're like, huh? Like, that's not how you are. Um, so I, I kind of write about that in, in one of the chapters where, you know, where it's like, hey, let's teach them instead of, you know, the right and wrong answer. Um, let's just be honest and, and, and act like it's your, your boy giving you an interview. Like, not all media members are, <laughs> are against you. You know what I mean? They're just doing their job. You know, obviously, Brad Foe is a media member. Like, you don't have to hate them. Like, they teach us to kind of hate them right away. Like, hey, fuck, fuck these guys. Like, don't, don't listen to them. You know, if they're going to try to pick, this guy's, this guy's a tough ass. He's going to ask you the hard questions. Like, kind of stay away from them. Um, so I think getting away from that uh, is going to be big to grow the game of baseball because now fans will see the real personalities. 
and not everyone's going to be cussing and not everyone's going to be, you know, like you said, a tough guy. But like, if you could show your personality, if you're funny, be funny. Um, if you're shy, be like, be open. Be like, hey, I'm not good with words. I don't really like an interview. Like Chris Taylor is not, not very open. Like it's not, that's his actual personality. He's the only one that shows his personality in, in interviews. That's how boring he is. That's how bland he is. That's how monotone he is. But that's him. People think he's putting on an act, but no, that's Chris. Like if I sit down and we're just having coffee, it's like, hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> What'd you do today? I had coffee. All right. See you later, buddy. Like that's him. So like he's actually showing his personality. Um, and then, you know, kind of kind of part beyond that. Yeah, the, the diversity thing's huge. And I think that's a great point. Um, I mean, the game of baseball at the major league level is diverse. I would say not in not in our country um, at all. It's, the diversity is not there. But at the major league baseball level, it is because you got guys from Cuba, Dominican, you know, Japan, Korea, Mexico, Venezuela, like all these countries. So the actual big league level is, you know, widely diverse. And if you look at my team, the White Sox, um, I think we're, we might be less than half. Like they might be half, you know, guys, American guys versus, you know, foreign players, which is great. Um, because that just shows you there's talent everywhere. And the way to expand that, I think here in, in our country, I think it should come from the broadcast. And I think there just needs to be more info um, on people's backgrounds. And, and I also go through that in my book. Like if you watch a UFC fight, you know where this guy trains, you know how many brothers he has, you know, if he was in jail, you know everything about them. You watch a major baseball player, just like, hey, this guy's good at pitching. So I think the broadcasters you know the play-by-play -play, the color guys i think they need to grow as 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 a whole and major League baseball should kind of you know take the reins on that and let them know um you know hey joe kelly's half mexican let them know like there's you know this guy's from you know this guy grew up in compton like let them know like like oh i can't play baseball i'm from compton like but none of that's ever really said you know maybe a few guys but like i think if you could harp on like hey this guy's from a town of 400 he made it to the big leagues. Like there's one stoplight in this town, Like that's never really said that much. Um, so I think as a unit, as a whole, if they, everything that, you know, we're just, I'm talking about right now can be done, um, give more info to the play-by-play -play guys on, on that. Like, Hey, kind of preach on that um, a little bit. You don't have to always just preach stats, like be like, oh, you know, little stories like that grows the game of baseball. And I think, you know, that's, that's big for kids. Kids want to hear that kind of things. You know, they hear, that's why they tune into UFC fights. So that's why they, you know, broadcast them illegally on, on, a, on a third party website, you know. Um, so I think uh, the more info you can know on a player besides their actual baseball stats, obviously grows the game too. But that's a great point, Juan. Look, Joe, I, I think Chris Taylor was listening to this and he heard you invoke his name because I think Chris Taylor has a little message for you. Babyface, do you have something for me here? Yeah. Wait, country you... guy or a mariachi guy? And be careful because <laughs> with the mariachi plays out in the palenque out in, in, in right field, Chris. <laughs> I am a country guy. You know what? I'm catching on. I'm catching the mariachi fever. Ever since Joe Kelly put that jacket on, yeah. it's a, uh, yeah, it's, how can you not love it, especially at Dodger Stadium? So when you saw him wear that outfit at the White House, did you buy the story that he had forgotten his suit? Or did you think, ah, oh, man, this guy's just trying to one-up us with his wardrobe? <laughs> oh, no, he, he knew what he was doing. He didn't forget his suit. <laughs> he, he, he knew as soon as he got that jacket. So Is that true, Joe? I love Chris, man. <laughs> He's great. He's great. I text him all the time. No, so... 
I don't have any suits in California. I literally don't. They're all in Arizona. Um, and so I wanted to wear the jacket. You know, the trip was coming up. Um, and I was like, man, I have the jacket. I just need the pants. So that's why I went to Mookie. And then that's how the whole story, you know, Mookie's wife brought the pants to the game the next day. And I tried them on like, yep, let's do it. Um, so I planned to bring the actual mariachi jacket to the White House literally, you know, 24 to 36 hours before. Because I wasn't going to go and buy a, a suit, you know, with, with no time, you know, on my hands with all the children I have. Uh, so <laughs> the, Chris is right on half of it, but not the other half. Hey, Rob, let, let me ask you this. Writing a book with Joe. I, I mean, look, I, to me, I, what I admire about Joe is his transparency. Like, what you see is what you get, right? It, putting, putting on the author hat, did you feel you had to protect him sometimes to being like, hey, Joe, I think you're being a little too honest right now. There's going to be some blowback on this, especially with, like, the Manfred stuff. I mean, as, a, as an author, do you have a responsibility to protect the, the subject? Or do you have to just write the book? First of all, you guys ask good questions. That's another, that's a really good question. I asked Joe that. I don't, I don't remember um, thinking that way. Uh, Maybe, maybe it was like, Hey, you sure about that? (laughs) Something like that. I don't know. Joe, do you remember any part where we're like hemming and hawing about it or no? I, I, I don't think there was ever a point to where we had to a, uh, retract anything um there was never a part where like hey don't be so candid uh there was what it is is what you see i mean there wasn't a there wasn't a part where we're ever you know gun shy about about anything and i think that's that was the whole point of the book you know what i mean that was it it's it ultimately we wanted to make a book on all these topics right where um podcasts are the biggest thing in, in all of all of you know i'm not gonna say talk radio because that's that's dead but it's if you want to get ears, you know, podcasts are the way to do it, right? Um, and so kids nowadays are, are like I said, are, are more towards video games and, and less, less books, less reading. Um, my son doesn't want to read, and he's in first grade where he needs to read. Um, and so if you think about how to, number one, bring baseball back, number two, bring books back, um, it's how can we make a book that sounds like a podcast, you know, people are always candid in podcasts, right? Rather than live TV, live radio. Um, and you're like, man, your podcast is good, but your radio interviews suck. You know what I mean? Uh, and so when writing a book where you want to just be authentic, um, is the same idea where, what would you do in a podcast? How would you write, you know, how would you write a, a book based on your honest opinions and, and how open you are? Um, the only thing that we, we honestly ever talked about or, or retracted, um, was probably the amount of cuss words. And, and that was the only thing, uh, We've ever, we've ever taken out. There's a lot more cuss words um, in, in, in the first couple uh, drafts of the book for sure. But everything else, you yeah. know, we never we, we never even really thought like, oh, that shouldn't be said. It was just we were locked in and, and we just went. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best way to put it is that like when we started the project, this is one of the reasons why, you know, I thought Joe would be perfect, a perfect guy to deliver this message is because let's be honest, guys. Like, and you know, you know, Joe. There, and you've talked to other guys in MLB. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys who are willing to do it. There's yeah. not a lot. And, and, and he's just genuine. He's just honest. And so when we went into it, we knew what we, we knew the tone of it. We knew what he was going to say. And we knew some of it was going to be pretty pointed, like the Correa stuff. But another thing that Joe is really good at 
And you're welcome, Joe. I'm, I'm building you up. Um, <laughs> but, but he's really good at being honest, but not burying anybody he shouldn't bury. You know, I mean, and that's the delicate balance here, right? Like, so it's, he's like, you can read this book, damn near perfect game. And, and it's, you're going to get a, a tidal wave of honesty, but it's not like, like everyone knows the deal with Correa. Everyone knows the deal with, with what happened with Josh Donaldson. I mean, Joe went on the radio right after it happened, called Donaldson a douche. Well, probably because he is, you know, so there you go. I mean, so it's well, but he's not going to bury, he's not going to tell uh, or bury any of his teammates. He's a great teammate. Everybody says so. And um, yeah, so I think to answer your question, to go back to the original question, we knew exactly what the tone was going to be and it was going to be honest and we weren't going to back away from that. I, I want to be respectful of your guys' time. So I, I don't know how much more time we have with you guys. So I'm going to start wrapping things up, but I, I had a couple of things before. I know Alonzo wants to end the show with one particular question. Um, but in terms of the book, you you have chapters on unwritten rules. You, you got the, the rule changes that, that are coming up here. In terms of your, your conversation with Manfred, uh, Joe, how many other players in Major League Baseball wanted to do what you did? How is it that you're the only one, at least that we know of, there may be other players that have had this meeting, but why is it that we don't have more players calling this guy out? Because this is a guy who works for the owners. I, I, I just don't know how this is fair. How do the players ever get a fair shot when this guy's job is to work for the owners? Like, how often do you guys just sit there and go, I just want to, why can't I just go talk to the guy? Joey, let me answer that. Answer. You know and you correct me if I'm wrong. The answer is because he asked. <laughs> you know? I mean, That's he true. asked. He asked. And, and this was the thing about, and, you know, I, not to interject, but I was, it's a good, great question, Juan. It's a great question. Because when we talk about it, it wouldn't be great if you sat down with the, the commissioner. Well, sure. Okay. I'll ask him. There you go. Am I wrong, Joe? So that's go exactly, ahead. That's exactly how it went. And that that's a great point because I'm assuming, like, I'd be willing to bet, you know, a good amount of money that I'm probably the, the only player who's ever done it. Um, you know, have my, as a, as a real major vis player, interview the commissioner, um, let alone like I'm one of the very few major vis players that, you know, maybe have texted back and forth. Like I text back and forth, like, Hey, you know, how's this? And I think it was a little bit more accessible for myself um, because I've been in trouble so many times with baseball. <laughs> we've had, uh, we've had our run-ins and we, and I talk about it in the book where, you know, I'm like, man, fuck this. Like MLB, fuck MLB. Like, this is not, this is not cool. Like I shouldn't be punished like this. Um, and so we've had, we've had a, a, a long road of, of, of having, you know, myself my my point changed like i thought he was the villain and um you know he probably thought the same thing of me like man f this f this guy like he's just talking all this shit like you know talking about his suspension you know he probably didn't like that i was open about it like you know going on podcasts saying like he did they did a bad job he did a bad job on the suspensions like and all this and so i think if you lay that background out um you know he was probably one of the guys like, yeah, I want to talk to this player because we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And so myself, I'm going like, hey, I want to talk to commissioner because I want to let him know how I feel. Um, and so, like I said, there's a whole chapter on, on 
my conversation with Rob. And um, I think he's just misseen uh, because when, when I'm talking to him, you know, face to face on the phone, whatever it is, uh, he's in a tough spot. And like you said, he works for the owners. So as much as he wants to do his job, you know, he could easily get, he's, he's not, he's not working for, you know, major league baseball itself. Like, you know, if the players hate him and the owners hate him, like he's stuck in the middle. And so, um, obviously he works for the owner, so he has to, you know, side with them. Uh, but you know, when, when you're able to get him one-on-one and, and be open about it, um, you could see where, where he came from. He loves the game of baseball and, and that's awesome to see. It's not like he's doing all these things to punish him with baseball. He, whatever he does for a decision, um, you know, rules. And, and, and it's great because I asked him, I said, he technically has the power to make any rule he wants. And I said, I said, Hey man, you need to, you need to talk to the players before you do any kind of rule change because otherwise they're going to fucking hate you. Like you need to run stuff by us. And he's like, well, yeah, Joe, like, obviously if I wanted to make all these rules, I could have done them years ago. He's like, that's why I haven't. And I was like, Oh shit, he is kind of, you know, thoughtful. Um, so that I go over with, the, with him in the book, like he has the power to make any rule he wanted. That's why he kind of slow played it because he has has players. He's asked me, he's like, Hey, do you think this is a good rule? I'm like, hell yeah. I think it's a good rule. Like, you know, ban the shift. I think it's gonna be great. It's going to open up, you know, it's going to open up jobs for the glove man, bring back the glove man who, you know, sucks at hitting is great on defense because nowadays it's like only hit, hit, hit. And you put, you know, anyone you want in the infield because you could shift and you don't, we want to bring back the true athleticism of the sport, you know, bring back the glove guy who was swipe bags because now that's going to be big because there is no shift. You know what I mean? Bring back the contact guy, not the strikeout guy. So, um, I could go on and on for days, but yeah, uh, seeing Rob, you know, his true colors as, as me talking to him, um, I think has gone a long way and, and you know, we detail we detail that out in the whole chapter. So, um, that, that's a good, good question though, for sure. You know what? There's no better example of why you guys should go buy this book. First of all, I appreciate that you guys, it's reasonably priced. I don't know that you guys had any say in that, but the fact that it's very affordable has no excuse for you guys not to go get a, get this book. But he just, the transparency, he just let us know. And, and and Joe said it earlier. You know, I've been in locker rooms where these guys, it's like pulling teeth. Nobody wants to talk or they're going to give you the same cliche answer. They're being forced to talk. Joe is telling us everything that we want to hear. You're not hearing it from anyone else. You're hearing it from Joe Kelly. So thank you, Joe, for doing that. Uh, I know Alonzo has one last question before we let you guys go. And for the record, I think one thing that'll grow the game to to one thing Joe was talking about, if there was more Joe Kellys in the game, exponentially would grow because it's the honesty obviously goes a long way, but even just personality wise, like, and it's going to go into the question I want to ask because you, you're very candid about even the conflict, right? Like Brad Phil mentioned when you called Tim, or I'm sorry, Josh Donaldson douche for, for what happened, but you also outlined it in the book that you weren't stoked about your, your suspension that you got for throwing a Correa when Donaldson, I think only got three games or two games, something like that. And, and you got eight for, for, for lack of a better term, you know, sorting out some justice, but, but, but I want to ask you a question though, about, about uh, something that the media might've missed in 18, because you were also very candid about what happened with Tyler Austin. Um, and I think, but granted, this isn't necessarily the, the, the line of thinking, right? But a lot of people don't even know, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you show up to the clubhouse and Skip comes over to you and says, hey, Joe, you're throwing a Tyler Austin today or in the dugout. Hey, you're throwing a Tyler Austin because of this. Just like th- that famous video between Tam- Tom Halley and, and Thor when he threw at, uh, at Chase Utley that, you know, in the whole your ass is in the jackpot thing. 
another thing, by the way, MLB, if you're listening, give the umpires microphones. Because if you do that, the shit will grow too. Um, but uh, but you go into detail about everything that happened. And if you don't know what happened, Joe Kelly uh, uh, for the team went out and, and, and defended his guy, Brock Holt, who got studded, spiked, however you want to call it. And for that Red Sox team also, I know it was personal because that's how uh, – that's how Laser Show himself, you know, his career ended, you know, because of a similar injury. So you guys weren't fucking around and, and you went out and, and did the thing. If you've seen the video, John Boy, shout out to John Boy, does a fantastic breakdown on that. A little biased because he's a Yankees guy, but I digress. Okay. But uh, but I want to ask you, what do you think the media might have missed as far as, you know, the, the criminal, you know, as far as. As far as far as all of it goes, because I feel like some of it, too, was made to make you look like a bad guy, which in all, all things considered, you weren't. You were just going out and following kind of protocol, if you will. Yeah, I mean, both both instances, you know, um, but yeah, the I think during. I think during the whole how it all went down, let's just say let's just go right to the chase with with, with the punishments. Right. Um, the one where. I actually got suspended six games was, you know, in a full 162 season where, you know, I actually hit somebody with the ball. Um, the guy ended up charging. Benches actually really cleared. Um, I actually landed a couple punches uh, on the back of his head where, you know, I got my full MLB suspension of six games because that was one of the things when, you know, I was arguing against their lawyers. Um, they they kind of went with a position of, of Tyler Austin, you know, me antagonizing him. Um, me making him come out with my gesture, uh, and and then after he came out and, and we got in a fight, uh, they said he was defenseless. He was in a, he was defenseless and he, he couldn't protect himself. And you know, with myself, you know, I, I counter argued in both those points, and I feel like I won. Um, but yeah, so I got six games for that, and then and then eight games in a, a sixty game season, uh, which is unheard of. Um, you know that that suspension where you know I try to argue. Once again, I, I battled their lawyers and, and argued. Um, but I think the whole thing that the media missed, and, and I got it from players. Um, I got it from, you know, my wife showing me, like, hey, this, this player is sticking up for you, um, you know, showing me social media. And I think the fans got it. Um, but once again, um, I wouldn't say all media. A lot of media members, you know, got it right. But if you're saying, like, they didn't stick up for me, I, I feel like you're right. Uh, you're correct. Um, you know, it's one of those things where fans want to see justice and, you know, in the real world, that's what happens. And, and so I think because we're in the spotlight of, of being professional athletes and, you know, the authority of, let's just say, the owners or, or, or you know, the guys at the top of Major League Baseball, um, they wanted to prove a point on, on both of my suspensions. Um, and it was an easy target because, A, number one, I'm a relief pitcher. It's not like, you know, I was a face of the franchise as – you know, I wasn't Mookie Betts in right field. Um, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, a, a Corey Seager at shortstop. You know, so it, it was one of those things where they thought maybe I was really replaceable. Um, you know, they, they didn't know how much, you know, I meant to my team on and off the field. They just see me as, a, as, as another player. Um, you know, a guy throws 100 and, and, you know, hey, we could suspend him as much as we want and prove a point because, you know, they won't, they won't need him. Um, but after all the backlash that happened, you know, from guys on my team, like, man, that's way too long. F that. Um, you know, we're in a playoff hunt, like we need them. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that the media missed. Not not the fans, the fans knew. Um, and my teammates knew, and, and all all the other guys on the other teams of all 30 clubs knew um, how harsh the punishment was. But I think the biggest thing that was missed was 
actual fighting for the player instead of siding with the other side. Bradfield, you're a part of the media, so so I have to ask you the same question. Well, I know what I missed. I missed what, <laughs> the best part of that that whole entire story, even though I was covering the team at the time. I had no idea until we did the book, which was two weeks later when Joe's driving through Times Square with his agents and Tyler Austin's crossing the street and he tries to get out of the car to fight him. I mean, that's the first time I ever heard that. So, uh, which is, which is like, yeah, it was, it was so Joe. So it was so good. So good. But in terms of like what, what they missed, um, I'll tell you this guys in Boston, I've never seen a player as I've just said the exact opposite. I've never seen a player who went from, the least popular guy in the team after what was that the first game of the year, Joe? That so year, sorry. right? Yeah, he's the least fa- favorite guy in the team. Blew the game. To undeniably, two weeks later, the most popular guy, with T-shirts being made a- after him, the Joe Kelly Fight Club and all that. I have never seen a, a-, a turnaround like that, and and really in Boston anyway. That was the thing that sort of like launched his popularity. I know that, you know, he's very popular in Boston. He might be even more popular in Los Angeles. No, uh, you're, but you're right, Rob, because the same thing happened here. Before the Correa thing, people still hold it against him that he beamed Hanley, right? People are just like, oh, he cost us a World Series, you know, whatever. You know who's so, one of those people? This fucking guy right here, Juan. Yeah, because I'm traumatized, okay? 1985 left a fucking scar on me, all right? So, sorry. I, seeing a Cardinal just demolish a Dodger just kills me, okay? But the minute the Correa thing, that guy became a fucking legend. And then the whole Mariachi Joe thing. I mean, they got murals of him out here. I told well, Joe. And here's, and here's here's a, and Joe, like I texted this to Joe the other day. You know, the mural, obviously the mural of him pouting. Well, we're going to have another mural. Put the, by, by the same guy about with the book cover. So, again, <laughs> so. Jonas, Jonas, big shout out to Jonas Never, right? So he's the man. So big supporter. So, but uh, yeah, I think you guys are absolutely right. So anyway, that was my takeaway that he became a legend then. Listen, if if you've if you've made it this far in this podcast, when this book comes out, buy it. Joe actually made a good point. I'm gonna buy this for my six year or my sixth grader who fucking hates reading. He loves video games and the Fortnite and all that shit. But I, this is a book that I think he he would understand. And it's, and it's in that format of like a podcast, like you were saying, which is a great analogy because that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's, I don't even want to call it like dumb down because that gives it a disservice. It's just very direct and black and white. And and I think that's going to, that, that's the reason you should go get this book because Joe is just Joe. And, and that's the reason we like having him on this show when we can, because they, what you see is what you get. And if, if you ask him a question about it, yeah, why did you hit Correa? Well, this is what happened. And then he goes into the shit and, and that's ultimately why Joe is the, why Joe is a real one. And when I found that, when I read that part too, by the way, Bradford about the part where he's trying to get out of the car in Times square, I've been to Times square. If you haven't, it's fucking wild to try to get out of a fucking car in Times square. And this man was trying to throw hands with a man on. <laughs> I love in Times I, square. Love the, I don't I don't know if you know his agent, Sam and Seth Levinson, but the whole image of the crowded, the mo- one of the most crowded places in the entire globe, yeah. of him wanting to get in a fight in the middle of it, and his agents <laughs> scurrying to lock the door. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, that 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 in itself needs a recreation. If I'm being completely honest, like a snapped dramatization or something like that, because that, but and I'm and, and it's because it's surreal. But the thing is, is knowing Joe, it 100 percent happened, and I'm sure it was a fucking madhouse when it happened to you. And I'm just upset I wasn't there. <laughs> but seriously, guys, if if you're listening to this, go buy the book, a, a damn near perfect game, uh, reclaiming. I'm sorry, I don't want to say this wrong because I'm going to uh, reclaiming America's pastime. Yes, sir. Correct. Comes out February twenty eighth. Uh, buy it wherever on Amazon, wherever uh, wherever the books can be uh, be acquired. Bradfo, Joe, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, let's do it again soon. Lonzo and Juan, appreciate it. You guys Always. are the best. No, no, you are my friend because you we we'll, you'll try to fight us on fucking whatever street. <laughs> so so we have Lost to say. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Have a good one. Hey, it's Steve Mason from Mason in Ireland on 710 ESPN and from the Culture Pop Podcast, and you are listening to the Bleed Los Podcast. Big shout-out to uh, Joe Kelly and Rob Bradford for stopping by. Joe Kelly's a good guy, Juan. I, uh, I, he's one of the good ones. He's a real one. As, uh, as you heard there at the end, my man was trying to throw hands with the guy on the streets of New York City in Times Square. But that's – unapologetically, that's Joe Kelly, and I, I – I'm kind of what I liked about the book, like I, you know, like I started out with the first question, is how he just got into the shit with Corinne, and I think that was a good start because it gives someone in, insight into the psyche of it because it wasn't anything malicious; it was just business, right? So, so I, I, I was really, really surprised by that. What were you taken aback by, if anything? You know what? What it just reminds me is because the guy's not a big dude, right? <laughs> you look at him, right, and the fact that this guy is just willing, you know who he reminds me? He's the spirit animal of Tanner from uh, the Bad News Bears. For those of you who don't know, he's the little white trash shortstop who picks a fight with everybody and gets his ass kicked, but yeah. he doesn't care. He He's not afraid of anybody. He just, he throws down. Joe Kelly is, and you, you know, the first time he was on the show, he said, I'm a, I don't give a shit guy. This book, and Alonso, you've said this many times, is that he clearly does not give a shit because no. he tells, he talks to you in this book the way you wish every athlete would talk to you. Look, we've been in locker rooms, I've interviewed, and you know they're telling you the cliche. They don't want to say anything that's going to draw attention to them. Yes, some players are sh shy. Other players, you know, they just, they don't want to talk. They do the Marshawn Lynch. They don't want to be fined. But Joe Kelly actually tells you, yeah, this is what really happened. Joe Kelly's not the guy to kind of, who's going to deny. No, that, that didn't happen. No, yeah. we all know what happened right there. And, yeah. and he tells you. So that honesty, I, I really appreciate. Honestly, reading this book, I think this guy's going to have a career in baseball after baseball. 100%. You know, I and and, and maybe it, maybe it might be through media or maybe it might be actually working for Major League Baseball, because when he explained to us how the whole Manfred meeting took place, I was just like, I wonder how many people actually I mean, I think it's actually smart. I'm saying something nice about Manfred here. OK, I think it's actually smart that Manfred took that meeting because 100%. he probably had no bigger adversary than Joe Kelly and for Manfred to be like, look, we clearly, there's no love lost between us two. I'm listening to the guy. So I, I really enjoyed 
having him on the show. And uh, I, I hope you guys did too, because I felt like he was very forthcoming and he felt comfortable. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you saw he was repping the Bleed Los podcast. So when we say that Joe Kelly is a friend of the carne asada, we're not bullshitting, okay? The guy came onto the show wearing Bleed Los gear. Well, and, and truth be told, we didn't suggest that. We didn't ask him to. He did it on his own volition. So that, that tells you how much of a real one he is. Uh, there's a name that comes to mind that I think he he potentially at some point could, you know, obviously he's still got some some in the tank, right? Tony Clark is an interesting guy. He's, he's, a, he's a very, uh, in some cases, I don't know. I don't even know the right word for it. But and I don't even want to say unpopular, right? Because like when you get in a, in a player leadership position, Obviously, you have to be well liked, but if 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 all the things are true that we heard during the lockout, it's that Tony didn't want to engage with Rob, right? And and truthfully, I, in hindsight, that's one of those questions that I feel like we should have asked, but we didn't want to take away from the book. Um, I think he would be a good Tony Clark, in yeah. the sense that he can he can sit down and actually have a conversation with Rob. And he said it himself, he's texting Rob, you know, what the fuck this, what you know, and and they're just being guys, and and commissioners aren't really open to that sort of relationship most of the time because you know like you said he works for the owners doesn't work for the players per se but at the end of the day they both have a common you know a common thing which is the growth of the game and the optics of the game all, all being there i do like how because I, I i will say this about rob manfred he's he is kind of a uh a polarizing figure right because if you're a fan you probably aren't huge of on to some of the you know the rule changes if you're a player not huge of the rule changes but he is to joe's point he's kind of he's doing what he can because he really does have autonomous power as far as changing rules and shit like that um an unenviable position i would never want to be the commissioner of any professional sports league that's for damn sure but the way that joe was able to have a conversation with him and how he was able to have an actual conversation with him not just like we're going to sit down, you know, at a at whatever building in Secaucus, sit down, talk. And under these conditions, you know, the hostage list that they give you the whole day, it just sounds like it was just straight up. Hey, let's let's sit down and have a chat. And that's what came of it. But that shows you, Joe, that's Joe. You know, he's very he's very true to himself. Doesn't really bullshit you. He keeps it real. And what you see is what you get. And I mean, even he's making fun of CT3 and and, and there's no lies there. Right. But I mean, it's. He's he's a good one, is what I'm saying. Wrap him in bubble wrap and protect him at all costs. Right, baby face. Uh, that entire time, I thought he was unmuted, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I was even looking over his book, and, and I'm not. I'm not a reader at all. I don't. I don't like. Give me an audio book, and I'll and I'll, I'll try and listen to that. You know, I was reading the book. It's. Like so you're said, one of those very, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very easy to read. Like you know, it's not like. You know, you don't get like I'm one of the. I'll read. I'll read something, and then I'll be like, "What the hell did I just read?" And I have to go back and and go back and you know, stop reading read. Heart of Darkness. Joseph Conrad is very hard. Put the so, twilight so, down. So I mean, it's just flowing, you know, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm able to read it. So if, you know, if I can read it, you know, anybody can read it. So definitely pick up that book when it comes out. There you go, Joe. You got approval. Right but you know what, Alonzo? Here's the the problem, and and, and it's so funny talking and uh, listening to him. He actually made me hate Manfred less 
And it's like, if Manfred would be open, if there was the transparency, if he, and, and I get it, it, it feels corporate, you know, that yeah. they have to answer it in certain, and, and we've talked about this before on other damage control situations. If you would just come out and just be honest about what happened, I think people would be more willing to forgive you like the fact that you know everybody these rule changes and all that stuff if they would just come out there and be honest and be like look we're trying to make the game better we're trying to make the game grow yeah. you know this is what we're trying to do you know sometimes we're going to make mistakes and if things don't work they don't work they just they should own up to it look we tried it it didn't work but the way that he told us that he talks to Manfred, he sends those text messages. It made me go like, hey, maybe, you know, Manfred is less of a douche. You know, <laughs> what, what it does is it makes Manfred human to me. And it took his basically mortal enemy to, to humanize him. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the lesson that needs to be learned is just like, just be your guys' selves. You know, why is it that everybody watches TNT's, you know, post-game show or that a halftime, right? Yeah. It's because Barkley and all those guys are just being themselves, right? And the NBA draws, people watch it. Not only do they watch games, but that show draws ratings. You know what I'm else draws for the NBA? What? The drama. Because you, like, at trade deadlines, how many times do you hear about the Lakers trade deadlines? I remember there was a time when... MLB when the trade deadline was was an event, right? Yeah. It was it was kind of appointment, you know, but that's not a thing anymore, but you know, appointment TV watching. With the NBA, they have mastered that because you know what's going on with Ben Simmons. You don't know shit about the 76ers, but you know what's going on with Ben Simmons. You don't know shit about what's going on with the Nets, but you know that they might move KD, right? So so they and that's where to your point, the transparency, if they open that up with baseball. I honestly think it'll be more, it'll continue to grow, especially with that age range that we talked about with, with, with those folks, because you're right. I don't foresee that I would ever want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Rob Manfred, right? Based yeah. on what I know, yeah. but based on what Joe Kelly just told me, I think I might be open to it because if he's just shooting the shit with me, like a regular guy talking chop swears, even okay, you're, you're not a robot. Right. And that's the persona that Manfred puts out. He's a labor lawyer robot. Yeah. And, and I think that, will go a long ways to growing the game with guys just being themselves. I mean, good. He even humanized Chris Taylor, right? You know, that we all know that guy. We all know that guy that, 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 uh, that, that it's, I don't want to say reclusive, but they, you know, they're, they're, this is them. This is who they are. That's that. There's nothing wrong with that, but at least you know that about the guy. Right. And, and that's where I think to his point, if we could do that with baseball, it would grow even with Ron. If he, like to your point, if he came out and said, Hey man, I dropped the ball. I 100% yeah. dropped the ball. This is my bad. Adam Silver's done that. Yes. Roger Goodell has done that. And everyone hates Roger Goodell. I don't really know anyone that likes Roger Goodell, especially yeah. the Raiders. I know they don't like him, even though he wasn't there for the tuck <laughs> rule. But, but, but again, if they could humanize Rob Manfred, it'd be a completely different story. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, for me, it's an enjoyable book. And it, it's just refreshing to see that kind of honesty and just to see that you see a player who cares that yeah. it's not a paycheck to him that he's not. And what I also think is funny and Rob brought this up is 
he's clearly Joe Kelly has become that player that you love to have on your team, but hate to see him on the other team because he had two franchises now who have completely, you know, reversed course on him. And what other player, maybe other than Tom Needenfuhrer, would face (laughs) the music? There it is. (laughs) Would face the music the way Kelly, like I could literally tell Kelly's face, Hey, we hated you because of what you did to Hanley. And he's just like, he sh- he laughs it off, right? Tell, right, babyface? Any other player that we do that to, wouldn't they get defensive? Yeah. They'd probably so. storm, off, storm off the set. Well, but even that, I mean, we when we talked to him in the summer, I think it was, we brought that up, and even he had like a smirk on his face and the whole bits. So, I mean, he knows. You know, he, he he's and, – and we didn't get into it. He talks about it in the book, but also how – how he goes about being a major leaguer for other guys, right? Because you have to remember, he came from two, you know, you could call them blue blood franchises. You know, the Cardinals, the Red Sox. There's the Red yeah. Sox way, the Cardinal way, right? Then yeah. he joins the Dodgers, another blue blood, and then he goes to the White Sox, your other favorite team. Um, and and again, they, they all have a different way of going about it. But he talks about it in the Korea thing. No one told him he had a throw at Korea. No one, no one told him that. No one asked him to. No one insinuated it. He knew that that they didn't, and that's the other thing too that I found interesting is I I had honestly thought that maybe these guys had a conversation about going to Houston because obviously the history, right? Yeah. I, I didn't think it would have been anything more than like, hey, keep your head on a swivel, and that's about it. But for them, you know, to just hey, everyone knew the task at hand. Let's go about it and deal with it. I thought that was very telling of him as a guy because he just gets it. He just understands it but he's also willing to be transparent about it. And yeah. for me, I think that would go a long way with growing the game if these guys would be. I mean, Tom Needenfuhrer was as transparent as a god, right? Yeah. Eric Karros has been transparent with us. And, and I feel like if the old heads can be transparent, why can't the new heads be transparent? Am I, am I off base? No. I, I mean, both of them, like Steve Sachs and Needenfuhrer both said, hey, even if we win that game six, it's going to be hard for us to win that game seven facing John Tudor. Now, maybe that honesty comes because it's, it's been time you're, you're away from it. I don't know if in the heat of the moment you're going to, like, I don't know if we sat there and we talked to the Dodger players in the heat of the moment after losing to the show pods, Hey, you know, they could honestly give us perspective of, you know what? They were just better or stuff like that. But the fact that he was able to do that, but look, I, when the book comes out, it comes out next month, guys. I, I'm sorry. There's a lot of stuff in this book that we didn't even get a chance to get into. Yeah. I mean, that whole there's chapters on the baseball codes, on the on the unwritten rules versus the written rules. That I mean, you're getting this from a major leaguer. That type of honesty about these rules, and the fact that he, you know, is about like let's talk about them. I feel like a lot of times the unwritten rules, right? We we they're secret. We can't we can't talk about it. But yet everyone's supposed to know know about it. I I mean he he's just a very refreshing guy to talk to. The fact that he you know he he didn't hesitate. He called no. Donaldson a douche. Yeah. He did not worry about the consequences, like what was going to happen. What are how are people going to view him? The guy was just like he saw what he saw and he reacted to it and he gave you his honest opinion. He's a fucking douche. Yeah. And, he, and you know what? Calling a spade a spade isn't a bad thing, but this is where we're at. Uh, I will say this. One thing that stood out to me is, like, you know how they put the little blurbs in the in the, the sleeve or whatever? Yeah. Mookie Betts had a, a quote in there, 
and I'll read the whole quote, but, uh, but it just says Mookie, this is from Mookie quote, this book represents an important message for all who want to understand the greatness of our game. And there is nobody more equipped to deliver it than Joe Kelly. A damn near perfect game is the ultimate wake up call for sports fans. I agree with that a hundred percent because he gives you, like you said, the inside of a major league, right? The inside of a guy that that's, He's, he's a high-profile guy. A no, major we, I, leaguer I, who's still playing, Alonzo. That too. He's but still I, that, playing. And he's not a superstar. You know, he's yeah. not. And I actually, I, I didn't want to push back on him with it because I, the saying I've always heard is relief pitchers are failed starters. And I don't even think that's a thing because I don't have the, the, the wherewithal to be a relief pitcher because it's all, that's a completely different thing. But they're wired different. If, you, if you've been around relief pitchers, they are wired completely. Tom Needenfuhrer, for example, wired differently. And and Joe is in that same of that same elk, and and I think getting that perspective from a guy like that, who in his mind is, he literally operates under the mindset of I'm disposable, I'm expendable, I'm I'm that, but he keeps it real with you, and he's not just expendable because I mean he did sign a three year twenty five million dollar deal with the Dodgers, that's a lot of money, so that's not expendable, <laughs> but um, but you know again it's it's a completely it's a it's an eye opening wake up call. I agree with Mookie. To, to hopefully getting the game to grow. And I legitimately, like I told him, I'm going to get this book and have my sixth grader read it because that's the only way that you, you can do it. You got to get it in front of the kids. It's the only way. Uh, before we, we set everyone loose, Roger, uh, any uh, any grandiose takeaways from Joe and Rob? I mean, just what you guys you guys said. It. I mean, these guys, I mean, especially Joe, I mean, he's real. It's as real as, it, as it's going to get, right? And because it's coming from, like you said, a major league player that's actually playing right now. It's not like somebody that's retired now and he's coming back and he's telling us, oh, yeah, the game was like this. No, this is a guy that's in the show right now and he's telling us how it is, how 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 things are actually done. You know, when when guys come out and, and you know, they just give you like, oh, yeah, I, I hurt my arm. It's Tommy John. I don't know how long I'll be gone for. And like, he's telling me, like, dude, you know how long you're going to be gone for, you know, 12, 14 months or whatever, right? Yeah. And he, he's giving you the real deal. It's like, so, I mean, it's, it's awesome when you have a guest like that 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 knows you know what people don't want to hear BS answers you know people want people want to see and hear the real you and and that's what Joe gives us and you know I appreciate that every time he comes on the show. I low key wish he had a Twitter because I feel like yeah. he would be he would either be like suspended for shit that he says all the time or he just wouldn't say anything and when he does say something it would like break the internet. And that's probably yeah. why he doesn't. And that's probably why he's not on social media because he probably would get like ended up getting suspended. Like everything he gets through his wife's feed, you know, like she'll probably, she shows him every day, like this is what they're saying or this is what they're doing. So, that's but that's how, how that's how, honestly, I, like I know I have social media. If obviously if you guys are listening to this, we see it. I don't really pay attention to my social media and where I get my info fed from is my wife. So I feel that I understand that, but it's just funny because I just, I still have the image of him trying to get away from the Levinson brothers in Times Square, trying to chase down uh, Austin, uh, uh, Tyler Kelly, I'm sorry, on, on the streets of Times Square just to throw hands with him. But again, he's just a dude. He's a dude. That, and he says to himself that I can hit, you know, I can throw 100 and here we are. Yeah. Well, go get the book. Seriously, it comes out February 28th. Uh, Amazon, wherever you get your books. Uh, Barnes & Noble, I think, are still a thing. No disrespect to them. Shout out to Barnes & Noble, though. Um, and, uh, and go get the book. It's, it's a really good book. I honestly had a hard time setting it down and I did have to, cause I had to get some stuff done at the house, but, uh, go check it out. Uh, uh, a damn near perfect game. America's pastime by Joe Kelly, Rob Bradford. Uh, on that note, we'll end this episode. It's presented by our partners at bet online. If you head on over to betonline.ag, 
Uh, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just to use our promo code, which is believe B L E A V. And you'll get that 50% welcome bonus. Check it out. Big thanks to Joe and Rob Bradford. Uh, check out the book, a damn near perfect game. America's pastime. We will catch you on the next one from your boys. Alonso Juan baby face gimmick in the sky. Roger. We'll see you then. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.